What the <laughs> fuck is that? <laughs> On this episode of Art of the Short, Jory and Bethers royally pour over royal jelly, regurgitate benefits of the bees, and call bullshit on Roald Dahl's flagrant fuckery. We'd like to remind you that all episodes of Art of the Short contain explicit content and a masterful amount of spoilers. If you'd like to read the story before entering, a free link is provided in the show notes. Or if you give no f**ks whatsoever, just keep listening. Art of the Short is an interactive literary art installation. We overextend our opinions on short stories and make art of our interpretations. Like Jory will collage her thoughts on toxic masculinity in a style that only the late 90s could have exposed her to. Stuff like that. Join in the conversation and send us your artwork to add to the gallery at artoftheshort.com. And follow the installation on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Art of the Short to see what others think of this short story through their art. Bethany Dawn. Hi. <laughs> I have been waiting <laughs> to talk to you about the art for this week. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I mean, how did you feel? Okay. You saw that I texted you well in advance because I couldn't yes. even imagine what we were going to do. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. Okay, yes. And I was like, what, do we need to pick a different story? Like, uh, what? what's the problem? No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I was just like uh, dumbfounded by what I got us into. I was pretty excited about it. But I have <laughs> to tell you, like, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, Oh boy, oh boy. But this is You feeling proud? Oh, I'm You're proud. Pretty proud. I am proud. <laughs> and also this is like the stuff that like nightmares are made of. Oh dear. I just wanna warn you. Oh my god. Well, no wonder you're so proud of yourself. I couldn't stop laughing either. Oh my god. (laughs) Um, I had a very different experience. Mine, I think, is very personal. Okay. I'm going to tell you what it is. No, you're not. Yes. No, you cannot tell me until the end of this. Can I tell you? No, Bethany Dawn, if you tell me, I'm going to hang up on you right now. (laughs) We will cancel this episode. (laughs) I will turn this car around, young lady. Turn this car around. Do not whistle or clap in this car. Uh, No clapping. This week's short story is by Roald Dahl, world-renowned British author of kids' favorites like James and the Giant Peach, Matilda, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Although Dahl's witty style and lively imagination affirmed his place as prolific children's writer, Dahl rejected this notion, expressing his dark side with countless publications of gruesome short stories. In fact, Roald Dahl identified as a short story writer, truly loving the challenge of the art form. He also loved mid-century English furniture, master paintings, and a nice, robust wine. Having acquired a 3,000-bottle wine cellar paired with a collection of priceless art, I think it's safe to say Mr. Dahl quite enjoyed the finer things in life. This week we read Royal Jelly by Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl, heard of him? <laughs> mm, well... Listener, this is not a children's story. Yes. What's the story, Jory? <laughs> oh, man. How do you have, how has it taken you this long to come up with that? <laughs> I'm so pleased. I would consider myself pleased as punch. You're 
so pleased. You are so pleased right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the story. The oh my gosh, the story starts out with it's a couple who has a newborn baby, newbornish baby, six weeks, six weeks. Yeah. The mother is upset because the baby's not eating its food properly, like in a timely manner, and it's losing weight every week and weighs less than it did when it was born, I think. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And then the dad is, you know, like the leisurely dad who's reading a magazine because that's what dads do. And, you know, the mom always just does all the work. Mm -hmm. Charlie, you know, (laughs) one of those like old timey kind of like Mm storylines. We learn that they've been trying to get pregnant for nine years. That is understandable why the mother would be on edge. Like she's been trying forever to have this baby and she finally has it. And now it's not eating and she's really, really stressed. She's at her wit's end. She wants support from her partner. She doesn't feel like she's getting it. She feels like she he's like brushing her off and not taking it seriously. Two doctors have already told them. Yes, yes. Yeah, that everything's fine, which it is true that babies lose weight. So that's what's up. The couple is fighting. She's stressed. He is stressed, but... He's keeping his cool. Yeah, he's just kind of like, listen, we have to trust the experts. She throws herself onto the bed, and then she's like, I don't want to, like, basically, like, live if this is how life's going to be because the pressure is so extreme. Um, Which, of course, I'm sure every... New parent. ...parent probably thinks that at some point. Mm -hmm. So then he's like, oh, honey, let me take this next 12 hours. You you sleep. Mm -hmm. Let me see what I can do. He doesn't do it out of the goodness of his heart. Yeah. This man is a beekeeper. He has an apiary, which I think is how you pronounce, like, beekeeping. Sure. And he's known village-wide for... Being a, a man of the bees. Did you just say being? <laughs> We're going to do this the whole time, aren't we? Uh, now I've started. I can't stop. Being Bing. a man of the bees. <laughs> yes. So ever since he was little, bees would land on his skin, crawl around, never sting him. He has acres of land now. And I we don't really know what his job is, but we're led to assume that he makes his living from the bees. Yeah. He's sitting down reading a magazine, as you do, while his wife's, like, struggling, like, on the verge of mental collapse. And he reads an article. Science journal, yeah. Science journal about bees, right. And he sees an article about a bee byproduct called... Royal jelly. Royal jelly, which is a real thing, listener, in case you think this is made up. It's not. But what it is, is actually kind of interesting in that, like, most insects don't do this. But the worker bees secrete out of one of their glands a milky substance, which they feed the queen with. Everybody gets a little bit, but the queen gets all of it, and that's how she becomes the queen. Her whole life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he knows all about it. He even says, like, there's nothing I'm going to read that I don't already know. Yeah. But then he does read, the baby larvae grow exponentially when they're fed the royal jelly by the worker bees. Yes. And he has a ding, ding, ding light bulb. And he's like, I've solved our fucking problems. And he yells to his (laughs) wife. He runs upstairs. He's like, I got to tell you something. And that's when she's like... She's like, I can't go on, blah. And he's just like, why don't you just take a nap? You just relax. Mm-hmm. Me and my ideas are going to take this shift. Sleep, yeah. <laughs> Me and old brain No, No, that was terrible. Oh I don't know. Brain-o. Uh, <laughs> Me and my buddy brain Hey, you set the tone um, with Jory's story, okay? <laughs> well, you're right. This is, I reap what I sow. So he takes a shift. And I think you know where this is going, listener. 
he pumps that bottle full to the brim with this bee byproduct. And his wife wakes up the next day in a frenzy because she slept so late. Yeah. And the baby is looking healthy. Interesting. Mm. So she is so relieved that her husband stepped up in this way. And he then offers to take care of feedings through the night indefinitely. And she's like, no, 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 that's not your job. It's 100% my job. I have to do it all. And they negotiate their way to him prepping all the bottles. Yes, that's right. Even though she won't let him take a shift actually feeding the baby. Yeah. So night falls. It's time to feed the baby. They feed the baby. The baby drinks a whole bottle, starts crying. Dad says, give it another bottle. Mom says, are you out of your fucking mind? Like, absolutely not. We can't overfeed the baby. And we should mention, like, before, it was only drinking, like, one ounce. Yes. And now it's drinking two eight-ounce bottles. So that's upsetting to the mom. And she's like, what is going on? Did you do something? And he was like, I don't know. Maybe (laughs) I did. Maybe I did something. Mm -hmm. And then he, like, tries to, like, pull some patronizing gaslighty shit where he's like, well, does the baby look better? (laughs) Does the baby look healthy? Then he goes on to tell her the truth. While she's listening to his confession, she starts noticing... This is the best part. How her husband looks. Hmm, how does he look? He has a fat little head (laughs) and a round little body, and he's kind of buzzing around. (laughs) I'm going to read it. Do you mind? Please. He was not a tall man. He had a thick, plump pulpy-looking body that was built close to the ground on abbreviated legs. (laughs) The legs were slightly bowed. The head was huge and round, covered with bristly short-cut hair. And the greater part of the face, now that he had given up shaving altogether, was hidden by brownish-yellow fuzz. In one way and another, he was rather grotesque to look at. There was no denying that. Looking at him now as he buzzed around, buzzed around in front of the bookcase (laughs) and his bristly head and his hairy face and his plump, pulpy body, she couldn't help but thinking that somehow, in some curious way, there was a touch of bee about this man. (laughs) It's so funny. I was delighted by that. I was too. So she realizes her husband is like literally turning into his passion, obsession. Yes. As he's explaining what he's gotten them into, he makes another confession, double confession. By the way, this whole time, the mom is like— She keeps saying, how dare you? She is against this the entire time, but somehow he just keeps like— he he keeps willing his power over the situation. Persistent. And finally, at the very end of the story, where she's realizing her husband is like a bee personified, basically— then he says to her, uh, Remember how he couldn't get pregnant? Remember how he couldn't knock you up? Well, breaking news, I started taking royal jelly for my fertility issues. And lo and behold, you got pregnant. Now my baby's underweight. So why not apply the same solution? More <laughs> royal jelly. Uh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wee, wow, wow, wow. Wee, wow, woo, wow. <laughs> And I think that was the reaction of the wife. Whoa, whoa, wow. Whoa, whoa, wee, wow. Mm-hmm. And someone has to read the final passage. I think we got to get to that. The woman's eyes traveled slowly downward and settled on the baby. The baby was lying naked on the table, fat and white and comatose, 
like some gigantic grub that was approaching the end of its larval life and would soon emerge into the world complete with mandibles and wings. Why don't you cover it up, Mabel, he said. We don't want our little queen to catch a cold. (laughs) And that's the end of that story. (laughs) I have to say... I thought this story was going to be kind of what it was a little bit. Like, Yeah, what did you think it was? Uh, I thought it was going to be playful, dark, with humor for like a young, young audience, you know? But then I really, I didn't know at all what it was going to be about. And I was just like open for whatever. Long for the ride, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about you? Mm, I expected some rolled doll whimsy. Yeah. For sure. I think I expected it to be more adult even. Oh. Like maybe more scary or more violent or oh, something. Okay. Yeah, I was imagining something even more grotesque, <laughs> okay. which I know is maybe hard to imagine, but I I think that's what I was imagining. <laughs> <laughs> what it was was mm, a pretty classic role doll, actually, just starring all adults and no children. The whole time I was thinking, it reminded me of a Twilight Zone episode, mm. like the old black and white ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that he wrote some like erotica. Wait, rolled doll? Yeah. Uh, so I really, really wanted to find us some rolled doll erotica. Oh, you have to do that in the future, though. I can't be done. I, uh, I tried. I really tried. <laughs> like I looked and looked and looked and looked and looked, and yeah. there was like a collection of short stories that he published with. Playboy magazine. Oh, okay. And so I really tried to get my thingies on them for us because I thought, how funny would that be? Oh my God, it'd be amazing. But they're not available anywhere and I can get into later why that is. Oh, okay. Um, But that's what I really wanted it to be when what it was was just pretty classic world doll. I guess this was like a story enough to where people produced it in TV form and a bunch other ways. Mm-hmm. So like people loved it. Yeah, it chimed some sort of chord, right? Had a wide reception it seems. I was like agreeing with you. It is what it was. It was like a rolled doll just like trying to like creep you out a little bit, mm-hmm. make you feel uncomfortable or whatever just for fun. And it's imaginative, right? Like he's known for that. Super imaginative like Little horror story mm-hmm. injecting facts about bee ecosystems <laughs> and just for fun. But then I was like, if I had to like squeeze some <laughs> juice from the fruit, if you will. Gross. From the honeycomb. It's a great song. <laughs> if you don't know that line. Okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, so maybe he's like suggesting that like humans need to take like a moral responsibility for abusing um, natural resources. I was trying to like squeeze some juice from the fruit. That's so funny. As I wrote down our themes, I was like, Jory's going to come with some actual insight and I'm going to die when she does because... But then also I was like, except for what it really was, it was a really fucking weird warped story about a man and his infertility issues. Oh yeah. And it was so creepy. And like... In this really obscure way. It's not just like mm-hmm. he's seeing a doctor and like going through the processes of, you know, his health and figuring his health out. He's like doing some weird shit to some a bee farm that he has <laughs> and like suckling the teat basically mm-hmm. of a queen bee. Gross. It's disgusting. It's so bizarre. That's what it is. Yeah, he's um, he is grotesque. I'll tell you that much. Which, by the way, I fully appreciate. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was into it. I don't really think 
that Roald Dahl thinks he's that grotesque. I think Roald Dahl thinks he's, like, defensible. Uh. Like, I think he's, like, working out his own issues whenever he writes these stories. Yeah. I'm really just holding him to account for our main character, <laughs> who's called Albert Taylor. Yes. The main B-man. I feel like he is the example of when someone becomes obsessed with something and they can't see what the forest for the trees or whatever that saying is. Like, yes. he had a one-track mind. There's even a, a quote. But it's like bordering psychopathic. Psychopathic. He only has one interest. It bleeds into his own health and then now the health of his child. Like, he's bringing this to other people. But he even says near the end as the story is wrapping up, like, when he's trying to defend himself, when his wife is like, you're harming our child, basically. Like, what have you done? You know, look at this baby. Look how chubby this baby is. You could take this baby out on the on the road and it would win first prize in all the competitions. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. Like, that is not how you talk about a baby. But that's how he's thinking because he's got only eyes for one thing. I don't know how his wife even got herself into this situation. But I started writing down the amount of times yeah. over and over. He said, Mabel, don't be silly. Mabel, don't be daft. Yes. Mabel, don't be so damn silly. He says it over yes. and yes. over and yes. over. And that, friends, is called gaslighting. I know we all learned this word, but if you haven't learned it, what it means is someone tells you that the blue light you see is green so many times that you think you're crazy. Yes. Like, you no longer believe what you know and see to be true because someone has convinced you otherwise. And so by him constantly reinforcing that she is dumb and that she is being silly and ridiculous, like, yeah. he's creating a power dynamic where he gets to be in charge and he's the expert and she doesn't know anything and she can't question herself. Yes. Even when he's offering to take this on, he's saying it to be manipulative. Oh, the whole time. Like, he even acknowledges, he says, you know, Mabel, I realized I've never lifted one finger yeah, to help you. To totally manipulate the situation. Yeah, it's not in good faith. It's so that he can continue his little scientific experiment. Yes. And like make, you know, his ego and his da 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 Psychopathic yes. determination. Okay, what is... He's a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I was fascinated by the idea of like natural alternatives for fertility and I was like I'm curious if this like actually has any real life benefit mm -hmm. and turns out it is do you know about this yeah so I found one study about this particular thing about fertility in men and I would just like to tell you Please. it's from the National Center of Biotechnology Information which it's like a, a research hub for scientific journals that, that get published. Mm -hmm. So this is like real science. It said royal jelly and its effect on the production of testosterone and sperm parameters caused an increase in sperm count, maturation, motility, and plasma testosterone levels. And then beyond that, it caused a decrease in DNA damage. Hmm. But royal jelly on its own didn't do it. It was like royal jelly and this mm -hmm. synthetic hormone called oxymethylone. And oxymethylone by itself, like it did a bunch of damage. But for some reason, these things together worked like a little miracle. Cool. So I'm just saying this is something that was published in 2013. And if this was the story was actually written in the 50s, is that what you said late 50s? There's some merit. I just thought um. it was interesting. <laughs> well, Drory... I'd like to see your scientific research on fertility and raise you. 
a <laughs> study that I did on weight gain. Please. <laughs> Well, such dorks. We yeah. are really. So I researched. So this was a 2012 <laughs> study. It was a randomized placebo-controlled double-blind trial where half of the participants for six months ingested royal jelly and half got a placebo. And they were just looking at your overall levels. And they came out with the royal jelly improved your glucose tolerance uh-huh. and overall improved mental health. It's so fascinating. Ah. If you type into the Google bar, <laughs> royal jelly for, and then just let the prompts pull up. It was like <laughs> royal jelly for skin, royal jelly yeah. for men, royal jelly for hair, royal jelly for face, royal jelly for weight loss, <laughs> royal jelly for weight gain. <laughs> It's like pushed as like a cure-all for so many things. Like a wonder drug. But mm-hmm. like not in a scientific way. So I was actually surprised. <laughs> a couple things just to get out there about Roald Dahl. Just he's accused of uh, anti-Semitism. Um, not just accused, like even his family and estate have come out to apologize because he was so blatantly anti-Semitic. Yikes. And these sexy stories that I wanted to read that I couldn't find, I think are just not really in print because his own ex-wife gave him a nickname. She called him... Oh my God, I'm so scared. Rolled the Rotten. And he was a spy for the British government. Whoa, I didn't know that. He did counterintelligence seducing rich heiresses and widows for the government. Was he even attractive? No, Jory, no. No. And someone else called him a stereotypical mid-century wealthy imperial Brit. I remember some sort of like conversation happening about him being misogynistic yes. too. Like he has a thing about women. Yes, that's what I was going to say next. This erotica that he wrote for Playboy was published in the magazine, but then it was called Cruel and Misogynistic. And then a critic said the sexual sadism is almost unbearable to read. Yikes. Well, I kind of want to read <laughs> it, though, just to know what it is. I know. The one that I wanted to find for us is a short story called Switch Bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but I couldn't find it. So for a children's author, he was doing a lot. And he also resented being called a children's author. Just by the by. Okay, I think that's everything. Well, what a character. <laughs> Can you say what a character? I think we should be real and be like, what an asshole. Oh, what a piece of shit. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that. And also this like brings up the conversation, which maybe this is going to be something that we talk about often here because there are a lot of artists who Mm -hmm. we know now in present time that they were just literal pieces of human shit. Like they were terrible human beings. So like the conversation of setting, separating art from the person who made it, like How do you feel about that? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts. But for this purpose, I'll just say that, like, I think it's fine to separate them. But I think you owe it to the communities that were affected to call it out at the least. Yeah, absolutely. So, Bethany, what would you rate this little roll doll Mm. story? You know what's fun is that I never think about my answer. Until this moment when you ask, even though I like obviously know what's coming and I could think, but I never think about it. Do you I think never about do. it? No, I never do. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we can do, I'll give it four out of five queen bees. Oh, that's good. I'm going to go ahead and do, uh, not knowing that he is a total piece of shit, 
I would have given it four out of five queen bees too. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll stick with that. I'm going to stick with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the four is already knocking it down because it is a pretty tidy little package. Yeah. Like, you could give it five if you were compelled. Like, it doesn't really have any problems. Like, we get these characters. We get a straightforward plot. It has a good pace. It's interesting. It has humor. Totally. Like, it's doing everything that it set out to do. Yeah. I just can't, in good faith, give it five. <laughs> and I feel confused, but that feels that feels morally right. Yeah, for his ass hattery, his misogyny. Yeah, I'm going to have to process a lot of this. His racism. <sighs> yeah. Excited to see you offer this week. Um, <laughs> you would like for me to go first? Yeah, because I can't imagine how you did something like lovely and sweet. <laughs> well, okay, I ha- okay. Can I tell you what it is now? I have to look at it. I will hang up this call. <laughs> oh, okay. So this is a poem called "Betrayal." It was a pain I'd never felt before, overcome with panic. I looked up into her eyes for comfort, but they weren't the right eyes, not the right face at all. I knew with a flush of embarrassment that I wasn't meant to run past those open arms, but the terror of that honeybee trapped in my ponytail, pressed against my scalp, transferred me. Her final dying act. Was that dramatic? Yeah, it was really good. I almost like wanted to like tear up a little <laughs> while I was reading it. <laughs> yeah. So you wrote this? Yeah, it's my poem. Okay, I, I am going to tear up. <laughs> I actually want you just to like tell us mm-hmm. about this, please. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to tell you about it. This is based on a real memory. I was probably, I don't know, between four and six years old. Mm-hmm. So one of those memories where they say that like, only real peaks stick in your memory when you're young, like yeah. real, like really, really fun or really, really traumatic. Yeah. And I have a very clear memory of this from that trauma aspect. I was raised as an only child and I'm not any longer. I have an adopted sister. But at that time, I spent all my time with my mother and I actually didn't see my father much at that time. He worked night shifts. Oh. So she and I were super bonded. Yeah. Her and I had driven to Oregon from Idaho to see. Um, my grandparents, whom obviously I hadn't spent much time with. Yeah. And my grandfather at this time was a beekeeper. Oh. Yeah. And these are your mother's parents, right? That's right. And they live in like a forested area. Yeah. Like really off the map. So I don't know them well at all. And my grandfather had showed me the beehives earlier and he was really proud of them. And I knew I was supposed to be really excited. I was really excited. I was scared because they were buzzing everywhere yeah but he explained that they're honeybees they're not like wasps they're not mean they just want to do their job at some point on this trip I think it was like my first day there my grandma was showing me these apple trees in this little orchard and a bee a honeybee gets stuck in my ponytail Mm. and this honeybee couldn't couldn't get out and so to try and protect themselves and in a panic the bee stung me yeah And I had never been stung. And to be stung on your scalp as you feel like a 
panicky. Yeah. I was so scared and so hurt. Yeah. And then my grandma's there and she's seeing what's happening and she's trying to comfort me. Yeah. And so I just took off crying, like ran away, scream crying, trying to find my mom, like just looking everywhere. Couldn't find her anywhere. It was very traumatic for me. <laughs> And really sad. I think my grandma cried. I think my grandma cried quite a lot. Yeah, of course um, she did. Because she felt responsible that I got in her. And then she, you know, missed me, loved me so much. I was her first grandchild. And then I just, you know, pushed her away, essentially. So, you know, there's closer ties to myself in this royal jelly horror story, <laughs> horror show. <laughs> yeah. Well... <laughs> Maybe we should have ended with that because it was very love, like a beautiful, gorgeous example of poetry. Oh, my God. Um, I'm about to ruin everything for everyone. So I just want to prepare you. Very on okay. brand. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open it. Are you ready? Oh, God. <laughs> Tori, how dare you? Oh, God. I don't want to describe it. I don't want to look at it. <laughs> I was ex- expressing my disgust. I hate it so much. I told you you'd be thoroughly disturbed. Oh. I can't wait to tell you what I made it from, though, because that's like the Jeez, icing on the cake. Louise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Sorry, I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's so, so gross. Ugh. It makes you have a gag reflex. Okay, I I'm don't mean to keep building it up without describing it. It's like a <laughs> a white melting dough <laughs> pile with a face in it, like hollowed out eyes and mouth that are melting and lifeless and like blacked and browned out. <laughs> Surrounded by brown honeycomb and bees. Yeah. Something's wrong. So gross. Can you tell me how this happened? So, while I was reading this story, I was also baking bread. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they were talking heavily about, like, larva, the bee larva. Yes. I was like... Oh, that bread loaf is going to look like the dough is going to look like this larva. Oh, I did describe it as doughy. So this is my dough. Jory, no. This is my dough. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Isn't it so gross? Oh, it's so So it's like festering gross. like yeast dough ball, which to me is like the festering larva and like the, the queen's milk or whatever, the uh, royal milk. Well, tell me about the face. All right. Well, so the face, I needed to have... I actually, in the dough, poked, like, two eyes and a little mouth, but it wasn't coming out well enough. And so I found this, like, horrific doll's head that was just, like— I'm covering my mouth from the horror. No, it's, like, terrifying, I know. And then just added the bees and the honeycomb for Mm -hmm. flair. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the real the real star of the show is the dough baby. It's the queen larva baby. It's horrifying. Like, people are going to have bad dreams about it. <laughs> but apparently Roald Dahl is, too, so I was... Channeling something? Feeling something that I didn't, wasn't totally conscious of. <laughs> On the next episode of Art of the Short Little Shorties, we'll be reading Husky Park 
by TJ Larkey. As always, a free link to this short story is in our show notes for you. And guess what? What? We really want to hear from you. <laughs> we do. We want to hear and we want to see your artwork. So please send it to artoftheshort.com. Follow the installation on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Art of the Short, because we want you to make a horror dough baby. Have you read his erotica? Oh, that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm very interested. Me too. But anyways. <laughs> All right, Jory. Bye. Bye. You really have to like figure out your opinion about the arse. The arse. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.